But I'd like you again, please, to turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And we've been looking at Romans chapter 8 for the last few weeks. This is week three in our series called God is with us. And um, it is a wonderful thought to know that God is with us, but it's not just a thought. It's a biblical truth, and it's not only a biblical truth, it's a biblical reality within our lives. And in week one, I said, I always feel that if I have a few people with me when I'm trusting to engage in a mission that I feel that I can accomplish anything. It is amazing how people fill us with courage to move forward and to do things that by ourselves we cannot do. And, um, you know, one such person is my wife. Um, Other such people are the elders that I work with and um, the teams within the church that I work with. We're able to do this presentation to you week after week because of the technicians behind the scenes and we're deeply grateful for them. And so it is great when you have people with you, but it is even greater when God is with us and when we know that he's on our side. And um, we want him on our side. We also want to be on his side. And um, we want to make sure that the mission that he set before us, that we accomplish it with him. And so the key scripture that we've been looking at for the last little while is found in Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. It's not on your screen yet, but I am going to read it. It says, what then shall we say in response to all of these things? And Paul lists a whole lot of events that are quite difficult within his life. And he says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He, and this is where he brings the gospel in, and he shares the gospel perspective on God being with us. And he says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And then we've been looking at the different scenarios that are presented in Romans chapter eight for us about God being for us. And last week we looked at the topic, God is for you in your struggle against sin, And um, today we want to look at God is for you and present with you in your suffering. And then next week, Ken is going to speak on God is for you and fighting with you when faced with overwhelming odds. And so I would like us to look at Romans chapter 8 and read verses 18 to 23. And this is our scripture for today. It's great for you to memorize these scriptures as we go along in this series. Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 23 says this. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Let me just give you a moment just to turn to that passage. I see Ken is really trying to find it here. Are you there, Ken? Can you put up your hand? Okay, great. Got it. The word of God is so precious. And I think when we read from his 
we must give people an opportunity to turn to it. So I'm sure that you are there. Rata Krishna, are you there with it? Excellent. Romans chapter 8 verse 18 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we eagerly wait for the adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. And I emphasize, verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So verse 18 is very powerful and pretty key to what we want to talk about today when we speak about that God is for you and present with you in your suffering. It was easier to speak about um, our struggle against sin last week because um, sin is so real to us. Suffering is a hard subject to speak on and even to speak with one another because it is so subjective, it is so personal. There are times when I will go through a period of suffering where you may not. And so the instruction that you would receive is not directly relevant to me. And that's the very nature of suffering. And of course, when we are involved in one another's lives, we know that there is suffering all around us. We know with COVID-19 that suffering has been spread far and wide. I've spoken to a number of people this week that's been affected by this type of suffering. But there are sufferings of many kinds. Some people losing their jobs and they suffer the limitation of resources within their lives. They're afraid of the future. And that's why on Tuesday nights we pray for people who find themselves in those situations. We also find that people face all kinds of suffering, some persecution for their faith, some circumstances that are less than ideal, some are in marriages that are not great. And some people within marriages are seeking avenues out of that marriage because they feel that they are suffering too much within that context. And of course, the word of God tells us to stay in those marriages and seek for God's grace to enable us to walk through it. And so we are faced with so many sufferings. And as Romans 8.18 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed within us. And then there are sufferings which are so unjust. Some people have been born into sufferings that are overwhelming. And oftentimes people ask questions which we don't have great answers for. 
But I do know that the Bible has answers that gives us the ability to navigate through our pain and through our difficulty. The one thing that we all know is that there will be pain in our lives at some time or another. None of us are exempt from it. Suffering in the degree that we face is different. Some people face it in greater degrees than others. But as Christians, we do believe that God is for you. And God is present with you in your suffering. Been spending quite a bit of time with some people going through certain suffering and some of their suffering I cannot relate to. And the only way that I can help them is to point them towards Jesus because the gospel is so amazing. And you'd say, well, what is the gospel? The gospel is that wonderful verse that we read about in Romans chapter eight, which says that God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not along with him? graciously give us all things. We know that the gospel and the suffering that Jesus went through is the suffering that he went through on our behalf. And he took the pain, the sorrow, the injustice, the misunderstanding, the excruciating pain that many of you are experiencing at the moment. He took it upon himself 2,000 years ago and legally paid the price for it as we saw last week that um, when uh, Jesus said there is no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus, legally, he took that pain. He took our sin. He took that condemnation upon himself. And in the same way when we talk about suffering, that day when Jesus died, he took all of our pain, he took all of our suffering legally upon himself. And relationally, daily, we need to walk that out with him. How do you overcome your sin? Know legally that you're not under condemnation anymore. But relationally, you need to walk it through with him daily. That's why we say that Christianity is a relationship with God. It's not a religion. Religion is something that you do and that you don't do. Christianity is a relationship and it is exactly the same with suffering, my friends. We need to understand that legally he took all of that suffering on himself. And that's why he died such a cruel death. That's why he was crucified unjustly. That's why he was betrayed. Some of the greatest suffering and pain that you'll experience is when you are betrayed. And that happened to Jesus. But legally, even today when you are betrayed, that suffering, that injustice, that anger that you feel, Jesus on the cross took that upon himself and suffered for that so that today you and I may have the grace and the strength and the ability to walk through that betrayal, to walk through that injustice, to walk through that pain. And sometimes these things endure for a long time. Even sometimes they endure a lifetime until God receives us into glory. And then he tilts the scales. 
My friends, you may feel now that your suffering far outweighs your comfort and privileges. But there will come a day when Jesus will tilt the balance in your favor. And that is what the gospel is all about. And that's my, my friends, we will never understand suffering well enough to handle it if we don't understand the wonder of the gospel and the mystery of the gospel, how he legally could have taken all of those things upon himself and how relationally we can walk through these things with him. That's why I say that God is with you. It's not just a theological term. Legally is with you, but relationally he is amongst us. And my friends, whatever injustice you're facing, whatever pain you are going through, however compounded the suffering is within your life, my friends, with God, relationally, you could walk through it. The wonderful story of a lady called Corrie Ten Boom. Corrie and her family boldly risked their lives to hide Jews in their home during World War II. After a betrayal by a fellow Dutch citizen, they were sent to a Nazi concentration camp. Corrie was the only member of her family to survive. And I remember being gifted a book called The Hiding Place. And it was actually a gift from my mother to me. And I still kind of remember the book. It was an oldest book, even those years. And I went through through the pages and I read the life story of Corrie Ten Boom and she so profoundly impacted my life and some of my theology even on suffering. And um, Corrie Ten Boom says this, in darkness, God's truth shines through most clearly. Isn't that beautiful? In darkness, God's truth shines most clear. And it is true. Um, you can never go through suffering and you can never go through pain or betrayal successfully if you do not have God's truth, the Bible, to shine through more clearly when you experience this type of darkness. When you read this book of Corrie Ten Boom, she reminds us that suffering ignites our desire for heaven. And, and she's an amazing lady, and I know some people that had her in her home, and, 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 and she would speak to them, and they say it is so true that she had such a longing for heaven. She, she further helps us to understand um, in the context that she was in and and the pain that she endured and the death of her family and oftentimes having to stand up for Jesus in the midst of severe suffering. Uh, and, and she would say that suffering is no excuse for sin. And in the context of sin, she meant to compromise the word of God when she was going through extreme suffering. And she would further go on and say that suffering the concentration camps that she was in, the uncertainty of her life made her more Christ-like. It's incredible, isn't it? 
Um, in our church, we, we had a lady in, in South Africa on stalk, also a Dutch lady, who had experienced some of the atrocities that many of your parents and grandparents had, particularly living in, in Europe. And this lady was a strong woman. And, 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 and the suffering had made her strong. But what impressed us so much about her was that she really, just like Corrie ten Boom, had this insatiable desire for heaven. Here, you and I would really want to make our lives more comfortable, don't we? Um, Oftentimes we have the resources to pay ourselves out of discomfort and to manipulate our lives out of suffering. And I think oftentimes when it is not in God's plan for us to do so, we lose out on these benefits that suffering do bring. Tim Keller says this, if your theology cannot accommodate hardship, then you may be one unfortunate circumstance away from a crisis of faith. And it is true. This is why I think Paul speaks so clearly on suffering within the book of Romans and within the book of Corinthians. And then, of course, in Timothy 1 and 2 and in Titus, because he understood what suffering was all about. And so when you read Romans chapter eight, you find that this is truly a mark of his Christian experience. He lived in suffering, he moved out of suffering, then he was encountered with suffering, then he overcame some circumstances and moved in other areas. His life was surrounded by suffering. And so the theology that we get from Paul is a theology that helps us to cope through all of these injustices. And now, many of you may ask the question, why is there so much pain, suffering, and injustice within this life? And that's a fair question to ask. And that's probably a question that I get asked often enough to talk a little bit about it, but I don't think any answer is truly sufficient because the intellect cannot actually grasp the enormity of the circumstances that we're in and the emotions that it stirs. But let me very briefly just whet your appetite for some understanding as it relates to this question in the context of Paul. You've got to remember As Paul writes, Paul doesn't only write because revelation came to him from the Holy Spirit, but he also writes out of the experience of his life. And so keep this in context as we talk here. When we talk about God being with us and present with us in our suffering, this is what Paul is saying to us. He's saying God is for you, and he's also with you in your suffering. 
And the hard thing is, like I said last week, you know, it, it, we don't see God, we don't touch God. How do we know that he's there? You know, honestly, again, I want to say, you know, walk with Paul through the pages of Scripture, through your own suffering, and you will see how the Holy Spirit will cause his truth to shine through those dark moments within your life and it will give you courage and it will give you direction as you walk that way. And so when Paul speaks to us, you know, he very clearly states in his writings, in the book of Romans from chapter one and, and, and in several of the passages here, you know, he, he answers the question and, and, and the question is that um, the sinfulness and the rebellion of man against God and his ways is a major cause of suffering within our lives. James, in chapter 6, verses 7 to 9, uh, tells us, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows that, he will also reap, for he sows to the flesh. So uh, uh, he that sows to the flesh shall also reap, corruption, but he that sows to the Spirit shall also from the Spirit reap life everlasting. So there is the law of sowing and reaping when it comes to suffering. Sin causes suffering. Disobedience causes suffering. What you sow, you basically reap. People say, well, you know, God is so unjust, my friends. At times, the suffering that goes on cannot be directly related to God. It is because of the decisions that you and I make and the sin that you and I commit. And that which we sow, we oftentimes reap. And so James very clearly tells us that um, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, we'll also reap. And so there are certain sufferings that we go through because of poor decision making. There are certain sufferings that you and I go through because we live our lives contrary to the word of God. It's our choice. And as a result, there is suffering within our lives. Um, someone once said, we cannot defy the law of gravity and not get hurt. It is very similar when we speak about suffering. It's not always the cause of suffering, but sometimes it is the cause of suffering. And oftentimes we just need to look at ourselves and say, where have I caused some of these things within our lives? And through repentance and looking to God relationally, he is able to help us through it because legally he paid for that on the cross. Amen. I'm not afraid to go to God with my sin. As a matter of fact, it is such a joy to go to him because he receives me and he cleanses me and he enables me to overcome that sin within our lives. You see, that is what it means to have a living faith. Living faith means I walk it through with him relationally. The suffering also as a result of sin that I sometimes endure. I go to Jesus and I say, Jesus, help me through it. Sometimes that sin, there are consequences that I need to pay maybe for a lifetime. 
Maybe. Some of those consequences aren't just settled right here. You've got to walk through it a lifetime. But when we walk with Jesus through that consequence for a lifetime, he gives us the grace, the strength, and even the peace to walk through that difficulty within our lives. Paul speaks about this in the wonderful book of Romans. So why is there so much suffering, pain, and injustice in this life? Sometimes it is just as a result of our sinfulness, the rebellion of man against God. And so sometimes it's as a result of our sinfulness and the rebellion of man, and sometimes it is the consequences of other people's sin that actually touches our lives. Really important to know that under this first point that uh, the reason why there is so much injustice is, and, sin, and, and, and pain and suffering is sometimes our sin and sometimes other people's sin. And I've oftentimes said from this pulpit, I've said that when we sin, our sin doesn't always just affect us. Sin affects the lives of other people. And... Um, in our lives, that is the way it is. And so sometimes people say, oh, I'm going through this. What have I done wrong? Sometimes you haven't done anything wrong. It's actually the consequence of other people's sin that affects you. And that's why within families, um, husband and wife, we need to live with each other in such a way that we give, keep short accounts with each other. And when we sin, it's going to affect our wife. Or when the wife sins, it's going to affect the husband. We never sin really by ourselves. It affects others. And that's why there's also so much suffering, pain, and injustice. And again, the gospel teaches us that we bring it to Jesus when we feel that we're being unjustly treated by someone else's sin. And although that sin cannot be undone within its consequences sometimes, God gives us grace to work through it and to bear through it. Um, I remember just with our two boys, uh, one son is 25 and our other son is, is 23. And so we would teach them and say to them that what you do affects us as a family directly. And what we do as a married couple affects our children directly. And that's the way life is. What happens within your business place when your boss makes a bad decision, oftentimes those consequences affects you. And you say, what have I done wrong? You've done nothing wrong. It's the bad decisions of others that sometimes affects us. And again, we just need to find grace in God just to walk through it. Just like with Corrie ten Boom, most of her suffering was as a result of um, others, of what was happening. Secondly, why is there so much pain, suffering, and injustice in this life? Well, the main purpose of this life is not happiness, but to know God. That's a very interesting truth to challenge us with because the way we construct our lives is to be happy. And It doesn't matter how we construct our lives. The main purpose of man 
is not happiness or their own happiness, but it's actually to know God. We're here on this earth to know God. Gary Thomas asks the question in his book, Sacred Marriage. He says, what if God designed marriage to make us holy more than to make us happy? (laughs) Some of you, if you were here, you would have been able to nod your head because sometimes within marriages, our experience isn't all the time happiness even if it's Valentine's Day today. But what if marriage was designed to make us holy, where two imperfect people are thrown together and our weaknesses offend each other, we sin and we hurt one another, and we say, well, I'm no longer happy, so I want to opt out. No, what if marriage was designed to make us holy more than happy? Reason is that sometimes God just wants us to push through that difficulty within our lives because it works God's holiness out within our lives and we become more Christ-like. And as a matter of fact, when that happens, our marriages do become more happier than maybe at that time. And... In the same way as we look at marriage, we need to look at life. Life is not meant to be a bit of, uh, it's not meant just to be milk and honey as we would love it to be. But it is to know God. And sometimes, even as Corey Tim Boom says, in darkness, God's truth shines most clear. It is when we're in these moments of pain that we learn more about God. Main purpose in life is not happiness, but to know God. You will learn more about God in your moments of darkness, in your times of pain, in the midst of severe suffering, than you will in moments of sheer uh, happiness, sheer abundance. You'll learn more about God during those times. Sadly, we shut God out oftentimes in times of such abundance, oftentimes in pain. Our characters are more perfected, our relationship with God is strengthened, and we see him more clearly for who he is. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Problem of Pain, says, we can ignore even pleasure. But pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. It's probably the most unpopular truth that I could ever preach or teach on. Main purpose of life is not your happiness, but to know God. And sometimes within our lives, God needs to shout to us. The only way we hear is when our moments of pain, 
moments of contradiction, a moment of suffering. Suffering certainly makes us more humble if we relate that suffering to God. Suffering can also make us very hard. Suffering can also make us turn from God. I understand that. But again, when you understand the gospel, you'll find out that God wants you to walk this through with him personally. I remember in times of my own personal sufferings over the years, in the moment, it was very hard to hear God. And then as I walk through that time of suffering and that pain, and I get opportunities just to look back, I actually hear then what God was saying to me then. And I see the benefit within my lives that in certain areas where I was struggling within my faith, miraculously, God worked in that area and strengthened me. And when I look back, I could actually see the benefit of the suffering and pain. Now, but now it is true that there are times within the type of sufferings that we have, we'll only see the benefit in heaven one day, but we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses six to 10, and I just want you to listen to this scripture. He says, even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain. So no one will think of me more than is warranted by what I say or do or by these surpassing great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The main purpose of life is not happiness, but to know God. Paul says in Philippians 3.10, I want to know him. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his suffering. This is the gospel. Becoming like him in his death and so has sometime attaining to the resurrection from the dead and so somehow attaining to the resurrection. I want to know him. And then the last point as I close. Why is there so much suffering, pain and injustice in this life? Well, God's purposes for you is not limited to this present life, but continues beyond the grave and into eternal life. I want you to get a hold of that. Some of your suffering is illogical. Some of your suffering cannot be understood here. 
I know that. We've sat down and we've talked through it. It just cannot be understood. We don't have the answers for you. The Bible gives you just enough answers to sustain you during this time, but the Bible doesn't give us all answers. But there's definitely enough to sustain you to know God through this time. William Laid Craig says this, when God asks his children to bear horrible suffering in this life, it is only with the view of a heavenly joy and reward that is beyond all comprehension. God is asking you to bear some. It may be a really, really bad marriage, a difficult marriage. You guys may have fallen out of love with each other, but my friends, don't break that marriage covenant. There is a special reward for those who push through over the years. I've passed it people, sometimes it is a man, sometimes it is a woman who's in a bad marriage, and they would say, you know what, Piet? I'm trusting God for this marriage. May not get a whole lot better, but I'm staying in this marriage. And do you know what? What William Lane Craig says is absolutely for you today. When God asked his children to bear horrible suffering in this life, it is only with the view of a heavenly joy and reward that is beyond all comprehension. Maybe saying, well, what if I'm being abused? I'm not talking about physical abuse here. Talking about a marriage that's difficult. It's a different story, different subject to talk about. But don't opt out of your marriage. I've seen God do miracles, profound miracles with the marriages and it relates to other areas there. Romans chapter eight, verse 18 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. What is God asking you to endure at the moment? Know that God's purpose for you is not limited to this present life, but will continue beyond the grave and eternal life. You see, this life is but so long in relation to eternity, which is this, this, big and long. 90 years in this life is not even the introductory chapter when it comes to eternity. And so when we have to bear suffering for a little while, the Bible says, the glory that will be revealed one day is so much bigger. And then I'm gonna read this closing scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18 says, therefore we do not lose heart, don't lose heart today. Though inwardly we are wasting away, Sorry, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentarily troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is Temporary, but what is unseen 
is eternal. As I was praying over the last month just into this whole subject matter of suffering when we get to it, really felt God say something to me about some of you. And I wrote it down as a quote. And I feel that God is saying this to some of you. I think he would say to you, sometimes we just need to push through the hard things of life to enable you to taste the sweet things of Christ. Push through. And when you taste the sweet things of Christ, he will give you strength and the ability to push through. Will you stand with me as we pray and trust God for your life? Father, we bring people before you today. And we just ask in this moment where people's emotions would be taken from one end of the scale to the other. Lord, we understand that some people have lost loved ones during this COVID-19 period. We understand that some people haven't been able to attend the funerals of their parents and even loved ones. Weddings alike. We understand, Father, that some people are in situations that they just cannot get out of. And your word to them is, take comfort. Take comfort, do not lose heart. And we pray, Father, in these moments of great suffering, great misunderstanding and injustice, even times of betrayal, Father, we pray that your people would not lose heart. So would you come, Holy Spirit? Would you just come today? And would you strengthen these people in their hour of need? And so we just bring them before you, Lord. In Jesus' name. For those who do not know you, Lord, Lord, would you open up their eyes so that they may know you. Even through their suffering at the moment that they would reach out to you. And that, Father, that they would allow you to rescue them. Rescue them from their sin, but also from their feelings of just wanting to give up. Would you come and would you help them this morning, Lord, we pray. May they trust you through the wonderful gospel that you are the one who bore our sins and our sufferings upon yourself. Would you draw them as we trust you in Jesus' name for them. Amen.